eBay Motors is here for the ride. Remember when you first saw the potential? And then through some elbow grease, fresh installs, and a whole lot of love, you transformed 100,000 miles and a body full of rust into a drive that's all your own. Look to your left. Look to your right. It's official. No one's got a ride like this. There's nothing else that sounds like, feels like, or looks like the set of wheels in your garage. With over 122 million parts, you can make sure your number one ride or die stays running smoothly, so there's no limit to how far you can take it. Brake kits, turbochargers, engines, exhaust kits, roof racks, LED headlights, bumpers, whatever your baby needs, eBay Motors has it. And with eBay Guaranteed Fit, it's guaranteed to fit your ride the first time, every time, or your money back. Plus at these prices, well, you're burning rubber, not cash. Keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only. Exclusions apply. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. You could spend the weekend doing the same old whatever, or you could conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. Hey, Bill's Mafia. We know there's only one topic every day, all bills, all the time. And now Matt Bovey and Sal Capaccio are going really deep, talking bills all year long, because it's always game day in Buffalo. All right, everybody, welcome. Well, what? I see when I talk like this, it sounds a little different. I guess I'm Batman. <laughs> I didn't realize this when I put the mask on. That's awesome. That was a really well-timed surprise. If you're just listening to the podcast, Sal has a crazy Batman mask on right now that he put on during the show open, so I did not see. Was this what you wore for Halloween? Does this have anything to do with Max's costume as well? No, this is one that's... Hold on. There we go. I can see with you. I can see you. So what happens is when I talk, it does this kind of weird sound, and then when I put it down, it says this. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> justice. wow I love, I, I love that for you um what's the anyway, line from the movie batman what's was. the what's the line from the movie when there's all the fake batman and this is dark knight there's all the fake batman and then there's the real one and he's like what's the difference between me and you and he's like i'm not wearing hockey pads like <laughs> it's a good it. it's a good it's a great movie well it is so no what happened was so max he was mandalorian tonight yeah. And he was wearing a Mandalorian costume. So I had his Mandalorian mask and I said, I want to go on the show like this tonight. He goes, well, actually, dad, like upstairs, we have a ton of masks that have like electric with them, like Batman and Spider-Man. I'm like, oh, really? He told me. I said, yeah. So I found that one and just put it on instead. He knew like we have all these dude. I have like masks central over here over the last few years. I have a nine year old turning 10 and like all these masks that I've accumulated in the house because we're actually going through a cleaning process and getting rid of a lot of stuff. And uh-huh. this is on the list. that's stuff that's getting Austin sold and all that. Yeah, you know, it's we had our first trick or treating experience this year with our seven month old daughter. 
Obviously, you know, she's not walking anywhere. She's not talking to anybody, but we she's would carry her. We, no, she's not saying trick or treat, but, you know, we would put her on our around our arms and we would bring her up to the door and say, you know, can you say trick or treat? Even though obviously she can't and everybody would just give her like oodles of candy, even though she can't eat any of it. But it was adorable to do that. She was dressed as a unicorn. So we did not dress up as anything. I would imagine as she gets a little bit older, then we will probably lean into the entire family costume. But right now she. She doesn't know where she is or what's going on. So I think we have a couple years where we can kind of get away with slacking a little bit. All right. So the Bills make a trade. Rasul Douglas. We're going to talk about that. It's Halloween night. Uh-huh. And I'm glad you brought all that up because I got a couple things to say. First of all, I would like to show you for all those who are watching on the South Sports YouTube page. Here's Ma- here's Mandalorian Max. Oh, wow. That's legit. That looks really I mean, good. I know. With um with Baby Yoda, right? Yeah. Ugu. Really cool. Very cool. Uh, loved it. So he had a great time. Matt, I'm tired of reading people who don't like Halloween. I got even like my like my colleague, Nate Geary at WGR. Uh, he's always like, ah, against Halloween. I think I think he still is. He always was. There's other people I've read. Dude, my neighborhood was awesome tonight. Like I yeah. live in the city of Buffalo, and there's just like little area. It's near the Elmwood Village where I live. And every year there's these houses. They're just it's amazing. People really go all out. They dress it up. The adults are outside waiting for the kids. And it's like old school. If you, I know it's a scary movie, but if you watch the movie Halloween, all the kids walking around and trick or treat, that's my neighborhood. And I yeah. loved it. Right? And we had snowfall and it was kind of cold, but I didn't care. It was super cool. It was exactly how Halloween is supposed to be. I am not a Halloween guy. That being said, I very much understand why people love Halloween. Like I will not criticize Halloween at all. I think it's a great holiday and I think that people should absolutely enjoy it because life is too short and you need to enjoy things. I've just never been the one to, you know, get really excited about dressing up or do a couple's costume or do a costume with any, I would imagine as our daughter gets older and as our family grows, I'll kind of get more into it again. It was really cool tonight going out and being part of it again, as opposed to just like standing at the door and handing out candy. So that was a cool atmosphere. And I'm in a neighborhood where there's a lot of young people. So it was great to see like all of the families and all the different costumes and all that kind of stuff. But I've never been one like this is a huge party weekend in Western New York. The weekend before Halloween is the weekend when you've got so many people who go out and they dress up and they do all this stuff like that was never for me never cared about that but at the same time like i'm a christmas lunatic so i know some people are the exact opposite they don't care about that until we get to december bring on the christmas music baby i don't care so i know that that's weird to some people so you know no, no, I, I actually really respect that and i'm I'm with you i i was never dress up go out weekend guy halloween i just you know i went out as a kid trick-or-treat wasn't my thing. I would go to parties because, you know, friends invited parties. But now that I have a son this age who loves it, yeah. it's awesome. Yeah, for it's sure. awesome watching him and going out with him. That's what's cool about it. What is your favorite Halloween candy? Well, um, anything chocolate with almonds, basically. So I'm just a chocolate with almonds guy. Really? Okay. Yeah. So we would have been able to, like, really trade candy well because I'm a Reese's guy. Like, Okay. Reese's and Take Five are the holy grail for me. I like Reese's, but I don't know if you're getting them from me, but I would trade you if you had good chocolate with almonds. We handed out today Take Fives, which are, you know, like the Reese's with the pretzels. Those are super good. Kit Kats and then regular Hershey bars. Those were our, like, the things that we had at our porch. 
Well, we left a bowl out in our porch, and we li- Max literally made a sign that said, take only one. And, of course, that didn't happen, and it was no. gone pretty quickly from what we saw. So, hey, that's the way it goes, and shout out to the kids who are enjoying themselves with a lot of our candy tonight. Yeah. All right, Rasul Douglas traded to the Buffalo Bills at the trade le- deadline on Halloween. Um, trade comes down probably about an hour before the actual trade deadline. It's the only move the Bills make. They trade a third-round pick for Rasul Douglas and a fifth-round pick. Both picks are next year's draft, 2024. Okay, your initial reaction, Matt, I'll, I'll let you go first, and then I'll um, tell you what I think about everything, but it, the overall big picture for you, what you think about it. Love it. I think that they made their team better today. I think they made their team better, not just in the short term, but also next year, which is obviously important for them. I thought cornerback was a huge need, and I think it's smart that they addressed it. I know a third-round pick is expensive. I know that's pretty serious, a pretty serious asset to give up, but I think that you are very much in a window right now that you need to take advantage of. I would have preferred Jalen Johnson. But at the same time, that cost was probably greater, and that's why he ultimately did not get traded. I mean, you've got a difference between a 24-year-old and somebody in their late 20s, so obviously it was going to be more expensive. But I think he's a good player. I think he fits what they're trying to do. He's big. He thrives in zone coverage. He immediately pretty much becomes your number one cornerback. Is that what he is? Probably not. Probably a really good two, but on this team, it's still an upgrade, so I think it makes them better, and I don't think the cost was that crazy. I think that I went into today basically saying, if you give up anything but your first-round pick, I can justify it if you're trying to make your team better. They give up a third-round pick. You should be getting a third-round pick back anyway as a comp pick from Tremaine Edmonds, so you still have a third-round pick. So, I mean, you're, you're dropping 50, 60 spots because you get the fifth-round pick back. Yeah, that's a big drop-off, but I think Douglas is going to be a nice player for them now and also next year. He comes in the same draft class as Tredavious White. He Tredavious White, that draft, 27th overall. He was the 99th selection overall, taken in the third round. He's had an interesting career. Started off when he was drafted in Philadelphia. Since then, he's actually... The Bills will be his seventh team overall, I think, because we count practice squad, which is kind of interesting because he's actually performed very well and he has very good you know, statistics mm-hmm. in the NFL. A lot of times it could be a scheme fit why a team doesn't keep him, like the Raiders or the Texans. They sign him, they release him. But since he's been in Green Bay, he's done very well. He was with the Carolina Panthers. The only team he's played regular season games for were the Philadelphia Eagles, the Carolina Panthers, and the Green Bay Packers. I would tell you this, Matt, reading comments from Packers fans, oh, it's they're crazy. upset, yeah. very upset. Packers fans really hate losing Rasul Douglas. And one of the reasons is a big reason. I'll get into the stats in a minute, but and I think this can't be overlooked. And I'll tell you why. He is considered a very vocal and big leader. He mm-hmm. is a captain type of player, right? Where he's going to be a leader in the room, culture-wise, in the locker room. This guy screams Buffalo Bills DNA. And I think it's important because I think the signing of Josh Norman a couple weeks ago to the practice squad was a bit of a window into what the Bills felt about the, what they needed in the room. It wasn't just maybe, hey, Kyrie Lim's not working out, which we'll get to in a little while. It wasn't just, hey, we got to kind of have a little more depth, a little veteran. I think they needed some leadership. That is not a knock on Dane Jackson or Christian Benford. They're young players. They're not the veteran, like boisterous type of leaders. 
I think signing Norman and now trading for Douglas on top of Douglas's production, which we can talk about, is also a sign. The Bills, I think, felt they needed a little bit more in the cornerback room when it comes to veteran leadership. Yeah. Now, I don't know if you saw this thread, but Cassidy Hill, who covers the Packers, I want to get this right. She covers the Packers for the Green Bay Press Gazette in the Milwaukee Journal Sentinel. So not super familiar with any of her work, but obviously once the deal happens, you start to search around for what people who cover him are saying. And she had a thread about this and I'm going to read it. I apologize. It's not like great podcasting, but it's really interesting. It can't be overstated just how much Rasul Douglas meant to this Packers team. He was not only a smart physical player on the field, he was the heartbeat of the locker room. On Sunday alone, multiple players came to him after the game to ask for advice, guidance, and more. He was never scared to share what he was thinking, and he wore his heart on his sleeve, which made him a fun player to cover and an even better person to get to know. Aaron Rodgers once said Rasul was one of the smartest players he's ever been around, and I can believe it. I learned so much about defense from listening to him, and he always took time to explain anything about defense I wanted to know. He won our Media Good Guy Award last year, probably would have won again this year for his willingness to always be available, open, and honest with the media. But it's all the moments off camera that made him not only a good teammate, but led me to be a better reporter in person, rooting for him wherever he is. So that's like very serious praise for the guy. And I saw somebody else say when it happened, and I apologize because I'm not giving this person credit, but they were like, Rasul Douglas is the most billsy player that was not already on the bills. And now he gets to join the bills. So it feels like from a culture fit, a person fit, he will absolutely immediately just be welcomed with open arms into that locker room. And then from a football standpoint, which I know is probably more important to all of the people that are listening and watching this, Hey, he's going to play and it's going to happen fast. Like he is not brought in to be a depth player. They brought him into play, and I would think that sooner rather than later, unless they have another injury or something, he will be lining up opposite Christian Benford, and they will be their top two corners. Ooh, interesting. You think Benford over Jackson? For right? sure. I do. Yeah, I, I think do. that's the way it kind of was, right? Benford did win the job, and I agree with you there. I just think it's interesting because obviously those are the top two right now, and we know there's then a situation where they're not super comfortable with Kyer Elam. You have Jamarcus Ingram that they've played, and then they did have Josh Norman. All right, so on the on he, they have him on the practice squad. They elevated him last week. All right, what are they getting in Rasul Douglas? Let's talk about the player himself and how it impacts the Buffalo Bills on the field. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Hey, it's Sal Capaccio from It's Always Game Day in Buffalo. It's not just a podcast. It's the 25th hour of your day, your weekly source for all things Buffalo Bills. Right on time, your time. 
In the car, navigate the streets with NFL wisdom in your ear. We accompany every errand you need to run. Washing the windows or vacuuming the carpets? Don't just clean, conquer. Podcasts make you more productive because we fit perfectly into your schedule. Follow It's Always Game Day in Buffalo in the Odyssey app or wherever you get your podcasts. Sal Capaccio, Matt Bove, It's Always Game Day in Buffalo. Happy Halloween to everybody. Matt, do you say rabbit, rabbit the first day of every month? I've never heard that in my life. Oh man, rabbit, are, rabbit, rabbit, rabbit. See, every I, I'm not mad or I'm not upset because I feel like I like I'm such a minority then because I I get too many people who say that to me, but there are a lot of people who do know it. Uh, I heard this years ago. Somebody said that saying the word rabbit or rabbit, rabbit, as soon as you wake up in the morning, like the first thing you say on the first day of every month is supposed to bring you good luck for that month. Well, it's you know. A, so we do it in our house every, every first, we remind each other like tonight, went to bed. Hey, make sure you say rabbit, rabbit. When you wake up, you know what? I'm going to do that tomorrow morning. As I wake up on Wednesday, I will mm-hmm. try and be the first thing that I say is rabbit, rabbit. 2023 has kind of been, you know, a very like strange year for me. Quite frankly, it's been a terrible year for the most part. Terrible. So I could use some good luck in a good month. November is my birthday month. It's Thanksgiving. So I'm going to say rabbit, rabbit, and hopefully it works out for us. Well, hey, you know what? I know you. So you've had a very, very unfortunate year in your family and things like that, and I understand that totally. Maybe Rabbit Rabbit will, um, you know, bring some good luck and confidence and everything to your family. That'd be great. Yeah, all uphill from here, baby. 2023 sucked, so let's just try and really end on a high note because the rest of it was a disaster. Well, you could do Rabbit Rabbit on Wednesday morning. Maybe I've said it on the radio, and I've had people come up to me and say, I'm glad you do that. We do it, too, and no one else does. I'm like, all right, so it is a thing out there. Look it up, Rabbit Rabbit. That'll be Wednesday morning. Maybe by the time people already listen to this. Okay. Rasul Douglas. Let me give you a stat, which is amazing to me. Rasul Douglas has 10 interceptions over the last three seasons. It's crazy. All Buffalo Bills cornerbacks combined have 12 interceptions over the last three seasons. This guy's a ball hawk. Now he plays predominantly. He's very good in zone coverage. That's what the Bills play, obviously. But just his ball skills alone, Matt, are basically an upgrade over what the Bills have, meaning they're not a bunch of ball-hawking corners. They're good system corners who do a lot of things right, who keep things in front of you. This is a guy who actually has the numbers and the production that go along with doing that. You said the last three years for yep. 12 interceptions? How this year? The Bills have 12 interceptions from just their corners alone over the last three seasons, counting this season. Do you have the players? I can grab them very quickly, yes. Okay, I'm going to try and guess these players, and then we will go back to Rasul Douglas, because when you said it, it immediately came to me as like, oh, this would be a good game to play on the radio. Okay. Well, Tredavious- you guess the players. I mean, I, it would have to be to- but how many each has, right? I, yeah, I, w- I won't be able to guess that. I'm guessing Trey right. has like three or four. I think he has two, but I'll look to make sure. Okay. I would imagine Levi Wallace is on the list. I would imagine that Kyrie, well, I know Kyrie Elam is on the list. I know Dane Jackson is on the list. Yep. I don't think Christian Benford has an interception yet, so I don't think he is on the list yet. Um, He is. He had an interception last year. I have to check when, but 2022, he's down for one interception, Christian Benford. Am I missing anybody? You are. It's an obvious one. But the reason it's obvious, because he's a really good corner, but you don't think Taren? Like that because Taren. he plays nickel. Yeah. Yes. Taren okay, Taren. Okay. Uh, and Levi then is Wallace, that... 
So you you got Taron Johnson, Tredavious White. So in twenty, let me go through it real quick. In twenty twenty one, two interceptions for Levi Wallace, one for Taron Johnson, one for Tredavious White. Just for corners here, now we're doing uh-huh. in twenty twenty two. Two for Dane Jackson. Oh, did you say Dane Jackson? I did, yeah. Two for Dane Jackson. Two for Kyer Elam. One for Christian Benford. One for Taron Johnson. One for Tredavious White. And then in 2023, this year, the Buffalo Bills have from cornerbacks, one from Tredavious White. That is it. That's crazy. That's crazy. It's funny how when you think back to 2019 and how great Trey was that season, how much they relied on those plays from their corners. Now, their identity of their defense has obviously shifted over time, and they still are getting interceptions. Like, mm-hmm. obviously, Poyer gets them, and Hyde gets them, and the linebackers are very involved right now. But I think to have like a ball hawk cornerback who is big and physical will help them, because who knows when he's going to make a play that could ultimately swing a game. And right now, they don't really have a threat of that. I mean, we were just talking about it. Christian Benford has one. I think Christian Benford's a good player, but mm-hmm. it's not like he's a threat to really take it away. Dane Jackson has a couple, and I think this is an improvement on both of those guys. So, yeah, I mean, it just it kind of checks every box. Like, it feels like if there was a player who you could kind of put together and just put on the bills, it feels like he is a higher upside better skilled, more reliable version of what they already have, which makes them better. Yeah, that's right. That number, by the way, 10 interceptions over the last three seasons, two plus this, so two and a half seasons, mm-hmm. it's actually tied for third most in the NFL. I got that stat from our, our friend Elena Getzenberg of ESPN.com. She tweeted that out earlier. So thir- tied for third most in the NFL. That's why I wonder, how has he been on so many teams? A lot of times it is a scheme fit. But the other thing he does well, He tackles well. He's a reliable tackler. And the Bills have struggled tackling this year at times. And we know that it's very important in Sean McDermott's defense to be able to tackle because they play zone defense. You're going to give up a lot of, you know, uh, catches in front of you. You have to come up and make the tackle. Rasul Douglas seems to be a guy who can do this. This comes down to me to a couple of different things. You know, number one, like I said, leadership in the room, veteran Mm. leadership, veteran presence. And number two, a steady, solid player who they could turn to and rely on because there really was a lot of shakiness beyond the two they have right now, and especially if anyone was to go out, go out of the lineup for injury or other purposes. Yeah, I was going to say, it is not the one nice little factor about this that you just mentioned is it does make you deeper. It gives your yes. roster more depth because now your third guy in is conceivably Dane Jackson or Christian Benford, and you feel a lot better of, about those guys coming off of the bench than having to line up against some of the elite wide receivers that this team is going to play for the remainder of the season and if they make the playoffs, obviously into the playoffs and however far that they go. The thing that I'm wondering about is because he is a veteran, he's in his late 20s, he's got a lot of starts, and he knows how to play zone. I wonder how long it takes for him to get acclimated. Mm-hmm. Like, Is there a chance that he plays against the Bengals? It's a great I, question. How many times I, have you been asked that since he was traded? I get, I, I've had you know a lot of people ask during me. During trick-or-treating. During trick-or-treating, walking around yeah. the neighborhood. How uh, is he good? Could he play Sunday? Basically, the two questions that I got asked. Brandon Bean will speak to the media 11.15 a.m. on Wednesday. That will be a question. I bet Brandon Bean says there's a chance. We'll see how we go, how it goes. Like he'll, And Sean McDermott, they'll probably tell us, look, we'll have a few days of practice here, and maybe he'll be able to fit in. I don't know. 
against the Bengals, that might seem like a bit of a stretch, but at the same time, because I would say it this way, maybe it would be a stretch to really put him on the field and say, hey, you know what? You got to play in this system and cover all those wide receivers they have. It might not be a stretch to say he's going to be active in case he has to play on the field because they want to avoid playing Kyer Elam or somebody else. Yeah, it's tricky. I think that it will not take long, but I don't know if I would be ready to say that he'll play right away. I I, I, I kind of get the feeling that he will, like that he'll be active, but I think he'll be used sparingly. Like I think that they will start Dane Jackson and Christian Benford and then maybe just throw him out there every other drive, almost like a player coming back from an injury, just mm-hmm. kind of ease him into it that way. And maybe there are times when you use dime formation and you use him as opposed to somebody else that they might be using. I, I don't really know what they have schemed up. I don't know how they're going to attack the Bengals. We'll talk about that later in the week, but it feels like this would be a week to kind of really lean into the dime stuff. Uh, yeah, it might be. I don't know though. That'd be another corner on the field. I don't think that they would do that. If they go dime, they'd probably do what they did last week with another safety with Jordan Poyer or look, the, the only issue I have here is sure. But my, I, I guess, hold on. Sorry. I didn't want, I yeah. don't want to cut you off, but yeah. he also has nickel experience. Yes. So yes, exactly. that has been a mismatch for them at times with Taryn. And this is not to say that this guy's coming in to take Taryn's job, but you could conceivably have your dime package and have him play nickel. And in those red zone situations where Taryn is getting kind of taken advantage of because of his size, you could have him there. If you feel like that's a more favorable matchup for you. So have them both on the field and, not have Taron on the field, like have Dane well, then, Benford and then have Douglas play nickel. Well, if you go dime, then I'm saying that if you go dime, that's an extra defensive back. So you, if you're taking Taron off, you're putting him on. You're just one for one. Yeah, no, I'm I'm just saying like I, I'm saying like he could be used in multiple different ways. It's not I like I'm it. saying they're going to have four corners on the field and two safeties. I am not in favor of ever taking Taron Johnson off the field, to be honest with you. <laughs> so <laughs> I know I know this double size issues I, to me it, he's one of your best players he is one of I'll, your best players linebacker when they go big i'm talking different the other team goes you know heavy personnel i don't want to see russell douglas going in for taron johnson anytime soon i don't any think season. that th- i don't think that that'll be like even something that happens it's just before they made the trade for douglas i was listening to dan orlovsky on one bills live um and he was talking about how the Bengals are doing a really great job of mismatching smaller DBs against some of their wide receivers. And right after they made the trade, I was like, huh, interesting. Because I feel like you could probably get caught up a little bit faster in those situations than maybe you could in like strictly like go out on the boundary and you're going against Jamar Chase. If it's, you know, like the situations where they've had the last three weeks where it's a goal to go situation on the one or two yard line and they've got Taron matched up against somebody bigger. He kind of won the first one against Darren Waller and then has lost the last two. It's such a hard play. It's such yep. an advantage for the receiver or the tight end in that position anyway. I just think that maybe that would be a quicker acclimation than it would be to just say like, have fun with Jamar Chase. Good luck. If you remember last year before everything happened with Demar Hamlin and the game was halted, remember Taron Johnson actually suffered a concussion and was out on the first drive or second drive right before they you lost crazy. Boyd. I forgot about that. I forgot yeah, about that. That's a big deal. And do you remember how? It was Tyler Boyd, I think. I want to say, I think it was Tyler Boyd who basically he blocked Taron Johnson. A lot of people thought it was a questionable type of block. He was on the ground. He hit him or something. There was a 
there was a deal about it. Like there was some talk about it and um, yeah, Taron went out of the game and that was a big deal to them. But that goes back to what you just said about it wasn't in the passing game. Even that was even in the run game, taking advantage of the size mismatch. Yeah. And I think that's the other added layer about Douglas too, is that he is a, probably better tackler than some of the other guys that they've had at corner. So if you are going to go dime down the road and he's going to be one of your corners on the field, you're still small, but you're a little bit better and more efficient and probably trust your guys a little bit more than you would have in this current. Like right now, that's the thing, regardless of how much he plays on Sunday against the Bengals, like you can go dime, but Joe Mixon looked, I watched basically the entire 49ers game he looks good and he kind of gashed them in the playoffs too. So how much are you willing to go dime against that trio of awesome wide receivers? And how much are you willing to let Joe Mixon kind of just break you for five, six, seven yards a clip? I don't know the answer to that. Like there's, it's an imperfect science and the Bengals are a really, really tough matchup for the bills and for any team that's going to play them. All right. So the bills now on the boundary, Jackson, Benford, Douglas, and of course, the guy we got to talk about what this means for him, Kyrie. Mm-hmm. Hey everyone, this is Brett Boone. Would you know it? I've got a podcast going strong in our fourth year. Tune in as I sit down with my friends, some of the biggest names in sports, media, entertainment, for a lot of fun and in-depth conversations. As you know, baseball's been my life. It's been in the family for a long time, but it's a lot more than that here. It's sort of like taking a ride in a golf cart around a beautiful track. Join me every week for multiple episodes on the Brett Boone podcast available on the Odyssey app or wherever you get your podcasts. So I'm not surprised that they did not do a deal for Kyrie Elam because it feels like right now there is not value there. Now, I said at the beginning of the podcast, Jalen Johnson would have been like the, well, Patrick Sertan would have been like the absolute pipe dream. And then Jalen Johnson was like the, hey, that would be amazing. And then Rasul Douglas says, hey, this is still a really good addition. If you were going to get any of these guys and Kyer Elam was the sweetener in the deal, then I would have absolutely said, yes, that makes sense. You do it, especially with like Jalen Johnson. Mm-hmm. Like Jalen yeah. Johnson, it sounds like the price was, I mean, if the Bills gave a third for Rasul Douglas, Sounds or like, a uh, second and something else. So, oh, sorry, Matt. I didn't mean to interrupt you. you I, on my end, you froze for a second there. You said if they were if they were to give up Kyrie Elam and something else for for Johnson, go ahead. Yeah, I was just basically saying like they gave up a third for Russell Douglas, yeah. which means you would imagine the asking price is probably for Jalen Johnson at yeah. least a second, maybe a second and something. And I was like, okay, maybe that's an easier sell if you're trying to make a deal with the Bears and Poles, and you're like, hey. We'll give you a third, but we'll also give you this guy who we drafted in the first round a year ago at the position that you are losing, and you can try and revive his career. But it didn't feel like any of that was happening. And I'm not in the, I don't think it's smart to trade him for a sixth round pick or a seventh round pick. I mean, Brandon all the time brings up Wyatt Teller. I do not think Kyrie Elam is going to turn into the level of player Wyatt Teller is or even close to it, but he still talks about giving up on him a little bit too early. Mm -hmm. And at this point, what difference does it make? He's on your roster. He's inactive. You keep him for another summer. And then next year, you really have to figure out what you're going to do. Right, because you never know. Maybe he actually does figure it out. It doesn't look like that's going to be the case, and chances are against it, but you never know. 
I agree with everything you said, and I'll add that I think the Bills just have a vested interest in wanting that to happen. They don't mm-hmm. want to move on from a first-round pick that early. They'd love for this kid to work out. They love everything about Kyer Elam, from his work ethic to how great of a person he is, but he just hasn't figured it out yet. He hasn't figured out the scheme, obviously. He hasn't figured out the system. He's just whatever the reason is, he's not in the field. But I think the Bills are very interested in seeing that through and hoping that it can happen. That doesn't mean that it will. Chances are right now it won't, and he's buried right now on the depth chart. So he'll probably – now, look, going back to being surprised, I thought they might move him. I'm not surprised they didn't. Uh-huh. I wouldn't have been surprised if they did. To me, it was, you know what? I wouldn't be surprised if they're calling on teams, seeing what they could get. But I agree with you that there's no way you're getting proper value right now for what you think proper value is for Kyrie Elam. They were not going to make a Boogie Basham trade here for Kyrie Elam. They're no. not going to trade him away, a second-round pick, Boogie Basham, to swap fifths and sixth. Right. That just no. wasn't going to happen. This is too, to me, valuable to them of a player on what he still can be going forward. And let's hope that happens. Chances are probably against it. We brought mm-hmm. up Tredavious White earlier. I wonder what Tredavious White's future is. I think he'll come back. I think he'll play. None of us actually knows you know, how to what level. He was playing at a really good level, I thought, this year. The Bills were using him to travel around with other teams' number one mm-hmm. wide receivers. But... Now you have Russell Douglas here. They're the same age, same draft class, like I said. They're both just short of the age of 30. Um, I I wonder how it all looks big picture. Now, granted, it's down the road. We don't need to discuss a lot of this right now. But it is a little bit of insurance with Tredavious White's injury to see where he is on his rehab as well. I think their plan going into this year was Tredavious White and Kyrie Elam. And that fell apart quickly because of what Kyrie Elam did on the field and the really unfortunate injury for Tredavious White. I think right now, who knows how it plays out? Their plan for next year is Rasul Douglas and Christian Benford. And if Trey works out, then it's a pleasant surprise. But they're going to have to get to that point because they can save a ton of money if they part ways with Tredavious White. And it's such a weird thing to talk about. He is the heart and soul of that defense. He was playing really, really well, but they're going to need to figure out the money. It's not unlimited. Eventually, you have to make these difficult decisions, and they're going to have to figure out what do they do with Tredavious White? What do they do with Dawson Knox? What do they do with these guys? Like, do you want to keep Leonard Floyd? Do you want to bring Daquan Jones back? Okay, well, guess what? Those guys are going to cost money, and you do not have an unlimited amount of it. You can only do so many things to restructure the salary cap. So there's going to be a difficult decision made. I agree with you. I think Tredavious White is going to play, and I think he's going to play again for the Bills at some point next year. But knowing how long the rehab took the first time he had the injury, there's a whole year, Thanksgiving to Thanksgiving. This happened week four. So I would say your best case scenario is that he's out on the field for week five, week six, week seven. I would imagine, you know, I'm no doctor, but I would imagine the second injury probably takes a little bit longer to rehab from than the first injury. So I don't know. I just think that right now I would imagine their plan, assuming Douglas works out, is that it's Russell Douglas and that it's Christian Benford. And then, you know, another name that was thrown out there today that didn't end up coming to fruition was Levi Wallace. If that doesn't end up working out in Pittsburgh, I'm sure they could get him on the phone and he could be cornerback three because he knows the system so well. So that's kind of why I like the move of Douglas so much because I do think it also sets them up for what they can do next year. All right. Uh, very quickly, so I want to talk about the signing of Leonard Fournette. Are for you sure. surprised or in any way kind of disappointed, I guess, that they didn't add anywhere else, including the offense? I thought 
Harrison Phillips was going to be a Buffalo Bill again. It really did. I thought that it made sense for both sides, especially with the Kirk Cousins injury. And I know that they are not out of it by any stretch, especially in that division. But I don't know. I just kind of felt like it filled the need for the Bills that both sides could make it work. It's a really easy sell. I thought they were going to also add a defensive tackle. If it were me, if I was Brandon Bean, I would have added a corner and I would have added another complimentary offensive piece, probably a wide receiver. But when you look around the league, none of those guys got moved. Like Donovan Peoples-Jones is not somebody who I think you're doing backflips over if you're the Bills. What does he really bring you? So not surprised, but at the same time, happy that they made the move because I think that it was one that needed to be made for Douglas. I wasn't, I wasn't surprised nor banging the drum for a wide receiver. If they would have done it, fine. Mm-hmm. I think that the, the answers on offense are more internal. I think they have the answers on offense in the room. We saw that last week, and I think the, the utilization, the way that they run the offense, the fact you have Josh Allen, I didn't need that to happen. And I also want to have a little buyer beware kind of caution. Remember last year they traded at the deadline for Naeem Hines? They couldn't get him on the field because it's so tough to learn the playbook and to play. I, I thought giving up an asset for somebody to come in, sure, you want to do it, that's fine. But to me, it was more the defensive side that had to be addressed because the answers aren't on the roster on defense. When you lose Daquan Jones, Matt Milano, uh-huh. and Travis White, a player like that at all three levels, you can't replace them with guys necessarily in-house. Not all three of them. you no. got to go out and find somebody. The one area I thought they would try to address is linebacker. I don't know if they did or not, but with what's going on with how they're not playing Dorian Williams now, they didn't last week, mm-hmm. the limited you know things that Tyrell Dodson can give you, the fact they're playing Jordan Poyer in a dime and Will Linebacker, to me, looked like maybe that's an area they want to go. They do like Dorian Williams a lot, but you know, right now we'll see if they trust him to be on the field as much. Yeah, for sure. Maybe their just plan is that in heavy sets, they'll have Tyrell Dotson, and then when they're using dime, Jordan Poyer is going to go there, and you're going to have three safeties on the field, and you'll just figure it out. So I don't know. I think that of the positions that they could have addressed, I thought linebacker would not have surprised me, but was also not nearly as big of a priority as corner, as defensive tackle. And for me, as wide receiver, you know, you, you bring up a good point that there's nobody internally who can replace those guys. But my mindset since the injuries has always been don't even try. Just lean into your offense because that's how you're going to win. And I know I've said that on the pod a lot. I know that's unrealistic, especially for a Sean McDermott coach defense. They want to he wants this identity of the defense to be. No, no, let me let me stop you. Hold on. I, I don't think it's unrealistic. I don't agree, disagree with you. I think at what point, though, do you have to stop saying, okay, leaning on your offense? Your defense has to be able to stop people at some point. You can't, yeah. Hey, go out there and score 40 or else you didn't do your job. Then it's on the defense. I mean, this is a great question of why did the Eagles lose the Super Bowl last year? Because their defense was awesome, and then they got to the Super Bowl, and they gave up 38 points. So was their defense really that important? Because if their offense was a little bit better, then maybe they win. So... I look yeah, at the last. Okay. I mean, I, mean, I look at the look at the Super Bowl. Look at the look at the teams that win the Super Bowl. The Chiefs' defense is better. I mean, I'm I not this year, but like the last several years, it was the Chiefs against the 49ers, and the 49ers had a great defense. And guess what? The Chiefs still won the Super Bowl. Then the next year, it was Tom Brady, and it was. It still goes back to my question: At what point, though, Matt, would you say, "All right, look, it's all right"? The defense has to do a little better job here. I think I mean, the, the, offense, I, the offense is scoring 24, 25, 30 points a game. I just think it's, it's I think the, we talked about last I think week. the Patriots game. Yeah. Say, hey. 
I think the Patriots game is a perfect microcosm of the entire conversation because you can look at the Patriots game and you can see that the offense only scored 25 points and say it's the offense's fault, but also say, what the heck? Mac Jones got the ball back with two minutes left and you let him march down the field and score. So I think that you can kind of pull the conversation or the argument in any direction that you're trying to go. I just think that, and this is me, this is not how they feel. They, I guarantee you they do not feel the same way. But if Matt Bovey was running the Bills, I would have been all in on the offense and I would have said, defense, okay, we'll figure it out. But that's clearly not what they're doing. And Sean McDermott is the head coach of this team. And he will always, probably to a fault at sometimes, lean into his defense and trust his defense more than I think he even should at times. Because he always, it's the same reason they got super conservative against the Bucs. And I didn't have any issue with that because I thought that you were controlling the game. But it's the same reason he's punting because he trusts the defense. Mm -hmm. And then at the end of the game, everybody's like, well, if you just went for it on fourth down, we wouldn't be in this mess, which is true. But that also shows how much they trust the defense. So it does not surprise me that they're trying to fix the defense. I would have just, you know, been very on board if they went out today, did not get Russell Douglas and went and got Mike Evans or Jerry Judy or Cortland Sutton or Devontae Adams or DeAndre Hopkins. And none of those guys got moved. So it probably wasn't even a possibility. I like the Russell Douglas edition. I really do. I just thought you could make the argument that offense is just as important. By the way, it's not necessarily true. If they went for it on fourth down, they wouldn't be in that situation. They'd have to make it too. Yeah. Get, people, people just assume you're going to make it all the time. You're not always oh, going to yeah. make it. Oh, right? absolutely. All absolutely. right, real quick. Uh, Leonard Fournette. So the Bills sign him to the practice squad. Replacement for Damian Harris, who's still on IR, still figuring mm -hmm. out what's going to happen there. Um, he is a very good pass protector. He's very mm -hmm. good out of the backfield. I don't want anybody taking any touches away from James Cook, but I don't think he has to. I think it goes back to what it was earlier in the year where James Cook was on the field for 40-something snaps and the other two were combining for about 25 to 30, which is fine. And James Cook was still getting most of the carries. That's what this feels like to me. I don't think it has to be, oh, my God, Leonard Fournette's eating into it. But I do think there's certain situations where maybe you'll want him on the field as opposed to the other two guys because he is such a good pass blocker and a pass catcher. Leonard Fournette, timestamp this, 941 on Tuesday night of Halloween, October 31st. Leonard Fournette will play meaningful snaps for this team and will be a difference maker. I do not know how soon it will be, but I even think there could be a chance that he is a practice squad elevation on Sunday against sure. the Cincinnati Bengals because I think in their head, Going into the season, their plan was James Cook is 1A and Damian Harris was 1B and Latavius Murray was their depth piece. Then Damian Harris got banged up in the summer and he Denver really looked the part and you didn't know what you were going to get. I do not think this is just a Damian Harris replacement. I think this is a Damian Harris replacement and it's somebody who eventually slingshots themselves past Latavius Murray because part of this too is – you had chances to ice the game against the box in short yarded situations. And Latavius, Mer like you talk about the play on second and goal or third and goal, whatever it was from the one, like Latavius Murray doesn't get in. And then at the end of the game where it's third and short and Latavius Murray does not pick it up. You're getting Leonard Fournette because you think he can pick those up. And you also know that he can contribute in the passing game. I mean, he had like 60 catches last year. Yeah. I want to point out that's going to happen, but like, yeah. 
Latavius Murray isn't a power back. He's a bigger guy. Damian Harris was your power back and you lost him. Yeah, that, well, but th- he kind of had to become the power correct. back, and it's not right. what he is. And Agreed. that's why I think Leonard Fournette can be that guy. And in those short yardage situations, you know, you want to pr- protect Josh. You want to talk about being smarter. Let's say you get a first and goal at the one or the two. Instead of just immediately going to the quarterback sneak, turn around and hand it to Leonard Fournette. Like you like that guy's chances, if especially if you give him multiple chances, you think that he's going to get in. And I have never felt older in my life than looking up Leonard Fournette's age and seeing that he is 28 years old. I would have, if you That's asked amazing. me, how old Leonard Fournette? Hey, hey, now, 34. I, well, how about this? If, that is wild to me. If you just randomly ask a Bills fan, who do you think is older, Leonard Fournette or Russell Douglas? Almost all of them are going to say Leonard Fournette, I would think, right? Yeah, for sure. But Leonard Fournette is the same draft class. He's 2017. He is a That's year amazing. older than Josh Allen. And I know he plays a position that age hits you a lot harder and a lot sooner than it does with a lot of other positions. But I think there's, and this is another thing too, like Leonard Fournette has accomplished a lot in this league. Leonard Fournette is not coming here to grind it out on the practice squad to get a paycheck. That's just not happening. He's coming here because the front office is telling him like, listen, do this for a couple weeks and eventually you'll be on the roster. Like that's just the way that I think it ultimately plays out. He will be 29 in January. He has the exact same birthday as Latavius Murray. But so only, but five years younger. So when he'll be 29 in January, Russell Douglas will be 29 next August. So I have a question. I have a question about Russell Douglas. I have seen 20. He's 28 and I've seen. Oh, wait, wait. Okay. I'm sorry that right. Because I, I thought he was 29, but now I'm reading 28. I have seen both out there and I have looked it up and I've seen both in different places. So I will ask tomorrow when we get to the stadium, is he 28 right now? Or is he 29? Because I've seen both. I've seen both ages thrown out there. And uh, if you're keen listener to the podcast at the beginning of it, I said late twenties because I was not a hundred percent sure either way. Okay, I think I he's twenty nine. I think he's twenty nine. Listed at twenty nine from what I saw. Now I'm looking at twenty eight. So you're right. Kinda I think weird. he's twenty nine. All right, let's figure but, that out. All right, uh, we got to head on out of here. We could save our Christmas music discussion for the next pod. I'd like to do that, but I would like to. The tell Bills you list him as twenty nine. Okay, so I think he is twenty. Got to figure this out though. This is. This is key. Yeah. You know, sure. 28, 29, and 30. Like those are key years mm-hmm. in a player's pro career. All right. We'll talk about Christmas music later, but I do want to end and tell you that this is the best Halloween theme ever. Yeah, it's it's creepy. But yeah. Right? Isn't that the best? Yeah, it's good. It's creepy, but it is good. I was gonna go to bed after this, so thanks. I appreciate it. <laughs> <laughs> Have you have you seen all of them? Those movies, Halloween. I've seen none of them. Why? Too scary. Hold it. No, I don't. Scary movies don't bother. I'm just not a. I'm just not a huge Halloween guy. You know what? I just watched. Oh, I know wait, you're is- not a Halloween ho- like holiday guy. That doesn't mean you can't watch the damn movies called Halloween. They're just scary movies. Like you just watch scary movies, don't you? Uh no, no. And also, you, you could not pay me enough money to go into one of those haunted houses that they put in like old Kmarts and stuff. Like there's, if you told me right now, $500 to walk into one of those houses, no chance. Absolutely not. That's you get scared easily. 
I, I don't know because I've never been to one, but I have no interest in doing that whatsoever. Like none. I, I just, none of that appeals to me. Hmm. I just watched because I had never even seen it on the flight back from London to Buffalo. I had watched Hocus Pocus because every year I hear people like talk about Hocus Pocus and I always see like the inflatables in people's front yard of the three witches. And I'm like, what is the deal with this movie? So it was like an hour and 20 minutes and I had an hour and 45 until I landed. So I was like, oh, this will fit into that window. And I want it's not a scary movie. It's like a cute Disney Halloween movie. But I watched that for the first time three weeks ago and I'm 30. So all of the Halloween movies like. You've never Halloween. seen Halloween, Friday the 13th, nope, Nightmare on nope, Elm Street. Nope. None of them. Blair Witch nope. Project. Nope. Might have seen Blair Witch Project. I've seen... That scared the hell out of me, by the way. I've seen uh, Paranormal Activity oh, and yeah, did not... I did not get the hype around that at all. Like, I remember, wow. like, the, like, the scariest part of the movie was, like, a pan falling or something, and I'm like, what's going oh, on here? That scared the heck out of me. See, you'll be okay. Not that you wouldn't... Think you would be, but yeah, I so see you should watch. You know what? Movies. You know what movies. I think would scare me is like hey, Jamie Lee Curtis. Hold on, Jamie Lee Curtis, a young Jamie Lee Curtis in Halloween, amazing. Like, you got to watch her; she's a great actress, awesome. Mm -hmm. Like kickstarted her career. Like, you got to yeah. watch this stuff. I think of Jamie Lee Curtis, and I think of Friday the Thirteenth or Freaky Friday, the Disney movie with Lindsay Lohan is what I think of. So I don't know if it's generation thing, but or it's just I, I just I don't know. No, scary movies don't do it for me. Don't care. I am not even like a huge, I love movies, but I never in my life have been like, I'm going to sit down and watch a scary movie. All right. Say rabbit, rabbit. When you wake up tomorrow. Yep. I will. In the meantime, hope everybody has a good Halloween. If you're listening to this late at night, don't worry. It's only Halloween folks. <laughs> for Mike Robbie, our producer for Matt Bove, WKBW TV channel seven. Well, by the way, you're going to have the game uh, Monday night in yeah. a couple of weeks against the Broncos again, right? Yeah, we did the right. last one, and now we got this one coming up. So we've got the right. weird Bengals game in the middle, but then the Broncos game will be on Channel 7 in Buffalo. All right. We got all your coverage at WGR Sports Radio 550 as well. Thanks a lot for listening, watching Dallas Sports on YouTube, and also, of course, Odyssey, iTunes, Spotify. I'm drawing it out. It's Halloween. Have a good night.